Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. Hey, what's going on? It's Devin. So on Wednesday night, we had our first live virtual taping of an episode, and I think it was a big success. So thank you to so many of you who made it out. That episode is going to drop on Monday, so look out for it. And if you missed the event where we showed you how we record our interviews for the Bay, we'll leave you a link in our show notes. We first talked about home care facilities around a month ago. And at the time, the number of COVID-19 cases in those places was going up. And these facilities were having a really hard time protecting workers and residents. Now the number of cases continues to rise, and families are still worrying and doing what little they can to make sure their loved ones are safe. Every day that passes is another day where we have increasingly less, as a family, an opportunity to have a real relationship with my dad. More than half of the recorded COVID-19 deaths in California have happened in care homes. Residents and workers at these facilities are still vulnerable. Today, what's changed at care homes over the past month and what hasn't? I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. There have been more cases, many more cases. A number of the skilled care workers in the facility, a number of the staff have tested positive, and a number of people on multiple floors of the facility who are residents have also tested positive. Jonathan Hirsch is CEO of Neon Hum Media. He grew up in San Francisco and now lives in L.A., his dad, Thomas, has dementia and lives in a memory care facility called Windchime in Marin County. We spoke with Jonathan last month after he learned that three people living at Windchime got sick with COVID-19. One of them even died. So yesterday, we asked him to let us know how his dad's been doing and what's happened at his dad's care home over the past month. The facility has done a better job of keeping us up to date on what's going on with him. Um, they are calling us 
every time there's a, a positive test case, um, I sort of feel bad for them having to call us. Um, doesn't happen happen every day, but you know it's been happening consistently over the last couple of weeks. We've seen more and more cases coming through. How's my dad doing? He's, I think he's okay. He did get tested for COVID a week and a half ago, and he tested negative, which was a relief, but not much of one. Because really, I think the worst part of this isn't whether or not he contracts the virus, but it's all the other things in between. His health is okay, but I think psychologically, day in and day out, the quality of his mental state is diminished because of this pretty significantly. I mean, I guess it is for all of us, but I feel like especially for people who have dementia or have neurological conditions like my dad's where without some connection to reality, he can get um, pretty upset and pretty disoriented. I do think over time, my dad is starting to get lonely and feels this sense that like, he has a hard time understanding when time is passing, um, which is a byproduct of the dementia. But I think as more and more time passes, he becomes increasingly aware that he's sort of been locked into his room for a really long time. And I know his partner has been getting pretty upset too. She desperately wants to find ways to to help him to provide him with some comfort and you know he's basically deaf and he has hearing aids but you know without people coming into his room every day he loses them um frequently when he tries to call uh, myself or his partner he can't hear us um it was really heartbreaking this one time he called me and he told me that he just wanted to make sure I was okay. He just wanted to know that I was okay. And he couldn't, he didn't, he couldn't, he didn't have his ears in, so he couldn't hear me. But he said, I can't hear you, son, but I, I can tell that you're there. I can he- sort of, I can hear your voice in the background. I don't understand what you're saying. And he was crying at this point. And he said that that just made him feel better. And I, and on the other side of the line, I'm shouting into the phone like, Dad, Dad, I can hear you. I'm here. Everything's okay. Your grandson's okay. And I know he can't hear any of those words. And it was just heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking to hear my dad just searching for some kind of connection. His partner has been coming to try to bring him extra little goods now and then whenever she can. And at one point she convinced one of the care workers in the facility to bring my dad to the window so that the window which looks out onto the street so that she could wave at him from the floor below and so they could just see each other. And she said his partner told me that he was waving back to her and he was crying because, 
I mean, because he just missed having the few people in his life that kept him connected to reality. And there's really like, there's no, <laughs> I'm sorry. There's just, there's just no way for that to be comforting right now. It's hard to know whether we should be more worried or less worried. Like, once we start flattening this curve, we're just going to sit on this plateau for Lord knows how long. Another three months indoors seems like an eternity to me. So thinking about my dad, he, he only has so many more weeks and days and months left anyway. So his time on this earth is limited as it is. Um, and dementia doesn't get better. It gets, it gets worse. So every day that passes is another day where we have increasingly less as a family an opportunity to have real, um, a real relationship with my dad. There are a lot of people in Jonathan's situation right now, people who are worrying about loved ones in these facilities. And in the last few weeks, we've learned about more outbreaks at different care homes across the Bay Area. KQED science reporter Molly Peterson's been reporting on all of this. So we checked back in with her to talk about whether the situation has changed. What I remember from the last time we talked is that we were concerned about things that hadn't yet happened and the virus was spreading, but it hadn't fully, fully arrived and outbreaks weren't a major part of the picture. After we talked last time, there were these huge significant outbreaks uh, in the Bay Area in a number of facilities. So we've had the spread of coronavirus in the community, both among workers and among the patients and residents of these facilities since the last time we talked. And it's gotten pretty serious. How serious? At this point, we know that between assisted living facilities and nursing homes in California, they account for about 52% of the state's deaths. So that's so many. It is. That's half. I mean, that's more than half. It's more than half. It's more than half. And um, and and that's an incomplete picture because, for example, with assisted living facilities, we're only hearing about facilities that have seven or more beds. 70% of them have six or fewer beds. So while the state is gathering that data, it's not sharing it with the public because they say it's a privacy issue. So we know there have been some serious outbreaks in these assisted living facilities, which aren't medical facilities. They're not healthcare facilities. Mm -hmm. um, right. In Contra Costa, there's some in Marin. Um, there's some in uh, San Mateo County and in San Francisco that have been uh, pretty concerning, large numbers. So why are home care facilities still having problems? Well, a very obvious reason is, so you look back at what the state did, and the state immediately said, okay, no more visitors, no more families. Yeah, you know, Jonathan can't go visit uh, his father. But uh, in addition, uh, there are workers who continue to move in and out of the facility. There are vendors who come to the facilities. So these people are vectors of risk for patients who remain in these locked down places. The other thing is patients themselves move around. So if they're in a hospital and maybe it turns out they're not as serious a case of COVID, there have been patients who have been transferred to skilled nursing facilities or even assisted living facilities from hospitals. And is there enough 
protective equipment and testing for people who are vectors, for people who are in these facilities? In the last week, we've had federal authorities, including Vice President Mike Pence, say we should test everybody in a skilled nursing facility. There's no one uh, in a political position who's calling for that in assisted living. What we are seeing is a lot of counties are making this decision individually, just like the last time we talked. So San Francisco's just starting. Alameda is guiding people to test both people who have symptoms and people who don't. So that includes workers and patients. In Alameda County in particular, they say they want to make sure that when people do tests that they can use the information. So it's useful to have a test when somebody comes into a facility, or it's useful to have a test if it helps you move people who are definitely positive together with, you know, in a different place from people who are definitely negative. What improvements have there been across Bay Area home care facilities? I'm not sure that I would call it improvements because there have been so many requirements that were waived at the beginning of this that family members and advocates for these residents are still concerned. Like they waived the requirement for criminal background checks and for a minimum number of staff and um, some other things that sort of changed the way care is given in the first place. But they've developed these strike teams and task forces to go out to the facilities. Remember, counties aren't really in charge of regulating these places. But they can go out and advise them. And they have been advising them about staffing, about um, uh, testing, and about uh, infection control practices. We've had health officers tell us at KQED that uh, some of these facilities, you know, it's not they're not like hospitals. So they don't have the practice in donning and doffing all the PPE and making sure that you stay secure and making sure that your infection controls are up to the highest, highest standard. Uh, what have you been hearing from families who have loved ones in these facilities over the past few weeks? Families are generally very, very frustrated. Um, Families are concerned that they have less contact with their loved ones. Um, Loved ones are moved without their consent or input. Sometimes families don't hear about outbreaks. I've heard stories about families not hearing about outbreaks. There was one in San Francisco. They didn't hear about it for the first 20 days. Um, The facility knew that COVID was uh, was in the place and didn't tell patients about what was going on for a long time. You know, I'm thinking like the state and counties are making decisions about loosening the way these stay-at-home orders are are rolling out. And it's slightly different, depending on the county, it's slightly different how it's happening. But it seems like people in home care facilities are as vulnerable, if not more, than they were a month ago. How are you thinking about home care facilities as state the state and counties are, are talking about loosening these stay-at-home orders? The concerns that I'm hearing about come from the staffers in these places themselves who tend to speak to me not on the record, right, because they have low-paying jobs. Some of them work in multiple places. But their concern is they know they're moving around out in the world and that moving around out in the world presents a risk as they come into a facility and work with different people. You think about even somebody who needs help walking or needs help eating. That's a lot of physical contact that, that these people have with each other. And so the concern is that more people out in the community affect these long-term care facilities um, because through these workers, uh, there's more risk that these workers will experience when we all come out of our houses. Thank you. 
things have gotten so bad that at least one nursing facility in Hayward is now under investigation by the Alameda County District Attorney's Office. At least 13 people at the Gateway Care and Rehabilitation Center have died of COVID-19. Meanwhile, finding out who has the disease and who doesn't is still really hard. Even though the state is testing more and more people in the general population, it's still about two weeks away from conducting mandatory tests of people living in nursing homes. Molly Peterson is a science reporter with KQED. You also heard from Jonathan Hirsch, CEO of Neon Hum Media and host of the Telescope podcast, which offers stories about how people are living through this pandemic. The Bay is produced by Erica Cruz Guevara and our editor, Alan Montecilio. We get help each week from Kiana Mogadam. KQED's leadership team includes Jessica Blachek, Erica Aguilar, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Tovin Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for us. Be well. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.